This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Welcome back to The Forging Table. The mission of Undaunted Life is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. At The Forging Table, you'll see a group of regular guys forging spiritual resilience by digging into God's Word, and we're welcoming all of you to come along on that journey with us. That's Matt, that's Eric, that's Caleb, but before we dig into Proverbs 1, Caleb, I noticed something before we started recording. Okay. Let's start with me. Could you, yeah, let's just keep this spot in your Bible. I just want to turn it over and oh. wait a minute. <laughs> that is your wife's name. Now, I don't know if we're allowed to say her name on this show because we don't need anybody one. looking her up, but is is there a reason why you don't have a Bible? Is this like, is, is yes. your wife running the spiritualness of your household? Like, help me understand. And then give me my pen back because I use it <laughs> as, against a, as a marker inside of there. This pen's mine. What's going on? My Mine is missing a lot of pages. You know, it's been through a lot over the years. Like, when oh, you say missing pages, okay. From I, the cold, the, man, he couldn't, he couldn't read some of it, so he didn't <laughs> yeah, stir it out. Yeah, for those of you that don't get that joke, go back a, a couple of months ago because uh, Caleb used to be in a cult uh, with his entire family. But, I mean, you, they, you do know they have, like, stores with Bibles where you I can do. get, like, your name on it and stuff like that. So, guys, we're going to be putting a GoFundMe together so that we can get <laughs> oh, Caleb yeah. his own Bible like with that. his name on mm-hmm. it. Uh, we can certainly make that happen. But we're digging into Proverbs 1 today. So we are going to announce a little bit later, but uh, we're going to do a couple of different Proverbs, and then we got something something big and special for you guys, that, uh, which we'll announce next week on the show. But we're going to do Proverbs 1 today. And the thing that's interesting about the Proverbs, guys, is not only could you just like flip through Proverbs and just stop your finger on one chapter, you can kind of do that with one verse um, inside of the Proverbs. And so it's different than if you're reading a, a gospel or a prophet or something like that. And so I don't know how Proverbs was treated as you guys were growing up, because again, I didn't grow up in the church, but Proverbs was always like the, if you just hate reading the Bible or you've never read it before, it's like read John or read Proverbs. And so, uh, I, I don't know, it, it seems more profound than that, but it does seem like kind of an easy place to land for the Bible. Yeah, one of the things that I um, took away from this as I was studying it is, you know, as I read this, I was like, well, are these, you know, are these promises or, you know, or what, or what? And as I found out, you know, God's character is what gives us his, you know, promises. But uh, the interesting thing about Proverbs is um, it kind of deals more with probabilities. It's if you behave this way, then this is likely to happen, you know, but that's not always. Uh, But growing up, you know, this was treated kind of uh, to be, well, to be quite honest, we didn't read it a whole lot, but it was, as you said, it's like, just open it up and put your finger in and uh, pick something, you know, because it's almost all applicable. Very, very practical. I agree. I, I, th- I think it's very easy to read. And like you said, you could literally just open up and point to one and you're going to get something out of that. But um, as I was preparing for this, I really like what um, Charles Spurgeon says about the Proverbs. And he says, he, to sum up what he thinks about it, he says, listen to the wise words of Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever live. And he says, they're not merely jewels from earthly minds, but they are also precious treasures from the heavenly hills. So that, so that the advice we have here is not only the counsel of a wise man, but the in, advice of the incarnate wisdom who speaks to us out of the word of God. And I just thought that was like, we're, this isn't just Solomon talking to us. This is God saying, here are things to keep in mind. Here is some advice for you to take with you always. Well, and this is, you mentioned the word wisdom. This is in the wisdom literature section. So you got Proverbs, then you have Job, you have Ecclesiastes, you have Song of Solomon. And the thing that I have to remind myself, because I, to be frank, before I started preparing for this episode, I didn't know what the word Proverbs meant. 
I didn't know it was like, so to be like, or wisdom in a nutshell, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of what this is to that point I was making from the beginning, whether you do it a chapter at a time or a verse at a time, it's wisdom in a nutshell. And one singular verse, there's, there's one here coming up in this first section that it's like, you can spend a week Mm -hmm. just thinking about that and trying to figure that out. And when you get into the dating of Proverbs and, you know, the first 24 chapters, we're looking at like almost a thousand BC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Roughly. And then again, again, cause some people are like Solomon wrote it all, but others are like, you know, King Hezekiah's men kind of gathered mm-hmm. them all the wise people. There were the oracles. There were some, uh, Lemuel, I think was uh, another one. Like we don't exactly know all of these, but we're looking at somewhere between 2,500 and 3000 years ago. And I didn't read anything in the preparation for this section where I was like, ah, that's not really timely to me today in 2023. I mean, how many times have we mentioned on the forging table? It's like, we're just like these people. We're Mm -hmm. just as dumb. And we have 2000 years more of technology. Mm -hmm. It simply just doesn't matter. But um, let's go and dig into Proverbs 1. And we're just going to take the person with the silkiest, smoothest voice. And Matt, you're right across from me. Try to keep your mustache off the microphone, though, because it creates a little friction. If you can read 1 through 7, verses 1 through 7 of Proverbs 1. You got it. Uh, The Proverbs of of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and saying the words of the wise and their riddles the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction okay there's a whole lot there but i want to kick us off by talking about verse five so let the wise hear and increase in learning And the one who understands obtain guidance. And then it goes on from there into verse six. But I guess the thing that I wrote down as I was writing my nifty note Bible, uh, being wise doesn't mean that you've arrived. Mm -hmm. And so if you're wise, because I think all of us have been around somebody that's wise, that we would consider to be wise regardless of their age, but they have capacity for more wisdom. Like it's not a I guess it's not really a destination. You know, Browning, you and I were talking at church today about, you know, our fastest miles we've ever ran or something like that. And so if you attain a certain time, that doesn't mean your capacity for running is now complete. Like there, there's more there. You may not be able to get any faster. You may have ran as fast as your legs will ever carry you, but you have more capacity for that. So that was the first thing I thought of to where it's like, never stop trying to attain wisdom. That's the same thing I wrote. The need for learning never fades is what I wrote there. That's, that's so true. We should always be seeking knowledge and understanding and wisdom. Yeah. And like at work, you know, it's one of the things that I really like about my job is I get to interact with people consistently. And so it, I, people think, well, does this get boring after a while? I'm like, no, it didn't get boring after a while because I, I approach everybody that I work with uh, as an opportunity to learn something. I was like, you know, everybody's different. Some people are kind of odd, but I feel like I can learn something from everyone. So I take that into my workplace. And I think the, the Bible, it's the same, the same way. We should go into the Bible. It's not a book that we should read once and put away. Maybe we read it again five or 10 years later. It's something that has something practical every single day for, for every single day of your life forever, right? And something that can grow you in wisdom. Something I thought about whenever you said that is, I remember the first time I, re- I read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale, Dale Carnegie. Guys, it's on our 100 books. Every modern Christian man should read list. It's on our website. It's on daunta.life backslash book list. But 
even in the, the intro of that book, they say, hey, you need to dust this off and read it once a year. And I'm going to be honest with you, if you're a big reader, do that. Like, it's got such practical wisdom. But your, your point is spot on to where it's like, it's not like everyday wisdom and in every setting wisdom. It may be in your business wisdom, maybe a little bit in your family wisdom. Maybe you could take some of that to church or your Sunday school or something. But there is wisdom in the Bible to be found. And you don't have to search hard for it. Because I think some people, they, they look at the thickness of a Bible and they're like, oh man, I just don't even know where to start. It's like, you could literally start by flipping through it and just putting your finger down. Like, I, you may land on something random, but at the same time, there, there's wisdom to be gleaned from all those different situations. And that's probably why, like, you, you've got Bible plans that have you know, a reading from the Old Testament, New Testament, and then either Psalms or Proverbs, right? So you're getting a little bit of everything because mm-hmm. they know it's so practical. When I think of wisdom also, I think of it comes with a couple things. And one of those is like a, typically if you think of the person that you, you may think of as wise, it usually is not an arrogant person. Yeah. And I think like if you yeah. look at that verse five right there is that they'll hear an increase in learning. And we know that people with, who are arrogant don't want to listen, right? And they, they think they already know everything. So, I mean, I think it comes with humility as well. Um, and that's just kind of one of the things that stands out to me about, about wisdom and, and kind of the precursor to it, something that it comes along with. Yeah, yeah. I read, I read the, a book, Good to Great, forever ago. Uh, yeah. But I remember, you know, they were interviewing these CEOs at companies that had done so very, very well forever. And one of the things that they had asked them is just, you know, what, they, you know, what it was that they did that made it happen. And, and they said that the consistent theme with all these CEOs and, and owners was that they, they, they were very humble. Like they didn't be like, yeah, yeah, I did this. I did that. No, it's kind of like I was, at the, I was there at the right time at the right place. And you know, just, it worked out. <laughs> right. And I know we'll get to it in, in verse seven. That's what I want to hear from you guys about too, is just what you think of that. Um, but you know, it's also, you've heard maybe, I don't know where it comes from, but like the first step to being wise is admitting that you're not wise. Right. Um, and that, and that is kind of the understanding that you don't understand everything. Well, right? let's, let's go there now. Yeah. Let's yeah. go there now because I think I described it this way, where every time I find a new subject matter, whether it's because of a book I'm reading or I get a new injury, uh, (laughs) Eric is the guy that every time I break or hurt something, he's the one to to put it back together and fix it. But it's like, there's an entire world that you didn't even know existed. And then you find this world and it's like, wait a minute, 10,000 people in the world have a PhD in this subject that I didn't know existed 24 hours ago. And so the more you learn, the more you realize how ignorant you are. And, but then you have so many guys, Caleb, that are to your point, walking through life thinking, you know, I got my job figured out. Like I got my golf swing figured out. I got, I got these things figured out. Like I, I got it going on. I'm smart. And it's like, you're not, a, you're not turning over enough rocks. But when we go back to verse seven, it really is the hinge point of this entire uh, chapter. And because even if you go to the ESV, even before verse one, it says the beginning of knowledge as like the section header, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning or the foundation of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And I want you to keep fools in mind when we get over to uh, verses 20, 21, and 22. But the whole time I'm reading that, it's not going to be a shock to anybody. I mentioned this book a lot, but my buddy, Maddie Montgomery, pastor out of Tennessee, wrote a book called Scary God. And you hear these quotes before, I forget who said it, but they said it recently. It's like, we, we don't scare God we're not scared of God. We're not afraid of God anymore. Like we're afraid of the, we're afraid of the devil. I was, I think it was Jim Caviezel, uh, whenever he was on the Sean Ryan show, that's what it was. But he goes like, we're so scared of the devil and we don't realize that 
God is infinitely more powerful than the devil. Why are we so scared of the darkness? Like we should be scared of the light that God brings. Cause when you're in God's presence, you can't even stand the light. That's why you can't stand in God's presence. And so, I mean, verse seven, I mean, highlight that star that, but I, there's so much there, but just the fear of the Lord is something where I think goes back to what I talk about all the time. When a pastor never talks about the lion of Judah, you're, you're not really going to have a proper fear of the Lord. When the pastor only talks about grace and never talks about judgment or truth, it's really going to put you in a place where you're not in a right ordering of God. God is not your boyfriend. He's not your buddy. And he's not your homeboy. Like he is the God creator of the universe that would not even have to move to obliterate your entire family tree. We just don't treat it that way. You know what I mean? I think, I think verse seven expands beyond that too. Like that could be a theme of almost all of, of Proverbs just in general. And if you were to pick out a life verse that that you could pick worse than Proverbs one verse seven. But I look at that and see the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and then the, the opposite of that, fools despise wisdom and instruction. A little bit of homework for people who are listening or watching. Like, if you have a concordance Bible or, a, <clears throat> excuse me, a Bible concordance, I wonder how many times in the book of Proverbs the, the word wise or wisdom or fool and foolish is used in contrast to each other. And the reason I bring that up is because I think God is very specific in how he talks about that. And his language is precise because he's also talking about salvation here. I think you can find salvation even in Proverbs. And I, I love to look for that because there's basically two camps of people. There's people who are given up to wrath and then there's people who are covered in, in Christ's righteousness, right? God would say the people that are covered in Christ's righteousness are the wise who are seeking after God. And if you're seeking after God, you are seeking after the right and true knowledge. If you are foolish, God gives you up, Romans 1. God gives you up. You are foolish. You are set for destruction if you remain foolish. And keep that in mind when we get to the very end right. of Proverbs 1, because that is a direct correlation to Romans 1. Yeah. And you notice how black and white it is. It's mm. either you're mm. wise or you're a fool. There's no middle ground. Right. <clears throat> and we know in Revelation how uh, God said, you know, I, I wish you had been hot or cold, but you're neither. You're lukewarm. So I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And I think, go ahead. Um, I was going to say that, I mean, I, f- I feel like I, if I'm being honest, I have more questions than answers when it comes to verse se- 7. Just on like well, we have what? tons of answers over yeah. here, so just <laughs> ask us, man. I mean, come That's on. That's why I'm in the right place. Okay. Well, so, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, you hear fear and you think of it, like I've heard it described as like it's, are we, is it fearing a tyrant? Is it fearing, is it more like standing in awe of something that you know is powerful? Uh, you know, what is it? Something in between? I mean, I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't, I, I feel like in my spirit, I know what it means to fear the Lord, but right. to articulate it. It's, it's difficult. Well, I'll give an answer, but as we established before we started recording to, today, I'll say something that sounds smart, and then Matt is going to probably hop in and say something that sounds smarter. But, you know, hey, guys, just just kind of follow along. Eventually, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of phase me out on my own show. Oh my it's okay. God. Never. But, that can so never happen. Th- this is what came to mind as you described that, Caleb. Like when you're a little boy, because I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and James... My, my three-year-old has just now discovered muscles and he's like, I want muscles. And I, I make him flex all the time. And you know, if he gets hurt, it's like, Hey, show me your muscles. Show me how tough you are. And he'll go to my gym and I'll try to pick up my dumbbells and they're adjustable. So I'll adjust it down to like, you know, 10 pounds. And so he can, you know, lift it up, but then I'll, you know, throw it all the way to the heaviest setting and he can't do it. And the dad just, you know, lifts it up. No big deal. He's like, Oh my gosh, dad. <laughs> so when I think of fear, I think James isn't there yet. Cause he's three. 
but one day he will have a healthy reverence for dad's strength because he's going to realize the difference between mine and his and what that could do to him. So he's not scared because he thinks dad, dad's going to use that strength on him to hurt him. But it's like, wow, like the force. Like I remember if you watch people like go on safari or whatever, some of my favorite videos to watch are when people are watching predations happen. But there's one in particular of a lion that I think was taking down an impala. And the impala is running unbelievably fast. But then the lion is running so much faster and they literally collide right by one of these like excursion vehicles. And it just like the dirt that flies and it's that it's that power that you don't experience. It's like when you're when you're, you know, field level at a high school football game with, you know, these freak beast kids. And it's like the power is so much different whenever you can kind of feel it, when you can like see it and sense it. And so that's kind of where I go when I think about that to where it's just like, I, I am me and he is God and the chasm between our power and ability to control anything is so wide. And so that's where I kind of revert back to when I was three and thought about my daddy's muscles or, or something like that. But Matt, do you want to go ahead and hop in and say something better? <laughs> I, I don't know that. I, uh, yeah. Dude, should I would we love give you a break. I mean, cause I mean, Browning looks like there. he's I got love to. I would love to say like, I, I think of, of um, Exodus when, you know, Pharaoh is telling Moses, I don't know who this God is. I know who these gods are and I know who the gods of my, you know, my, nation is and God's God God literally sends plagues and we're we're going through this in, in my Sunday school class. So um this is just really fun to, to talk through. He sends plagues in direct contrast to humble and humiliate the Egyptian gods. And things that like like turning water into blood, they have a river God that is supposed to control the river and bring life and bring bring freshness to their society. And God says it's blood. You can't do anything with it. Turning, turning their like reliance on a God that's not real into nothing. And now it's like that, that God is humbled because I am the one true God. I am, I'm the only one that exists. And that's why God says in Deuteronomy, like the Shema, Shema Israel, Yahweh Elohena, Yahweh Ehad, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Like I'm it and I'm going to humble those who are proud, who stand against that. And we should have that same fear and reverence and submission to the God of the universe is where I kind of look at that verse there. It's just like, it's kind of, it's given me goosebumps to even think and talk about it. Well, Eric, when you give your feedback, just know if you do it, in multi languages, it'll come off even better. So Dude, just throw out some ancient. I'm <laughs> already second best in this. <laughs> Holy smokes! Listen, if you like, Crossway uh, is a great resource, and I started to look at the Hebrew and the Greek, and they have a really good resource that gives you line by line what that is. And one of the the things I wanted to learn was the Shema because that's something that that uh, the Israelites would pray two times a day, and like it's it's very very powerful to learn those things that, you know, God's ancient people were, were saying or are still saying today and to, to understand, you know, where that all comes from. So like, I'm not smart. I just love 
seeking knowledge. And that is just a really cool thing. So Crossway, also, if you're listening, send Caleb a Bible. Um, that'd be cool. Yeah, we'll provide that address in the show notes, guys. If, yeah. It's a desperate time in the, in the Martin household. We need a bit. We need to just come together around this uh, emergency that's going on. But Browning, what were you going to say? Yeah, I'll try to be quick here. I mean, I, the verse I think about is, you know, don't fear men who can cure, kill the flesh. Fear, fear God who can kill both the flesh and the soul in hell, you know, and I think about that in, in my natural unsaved state, that should be a very fearful thing. Um, so, I mean, you can, we can look at creation, just the expansiveness of creation and realize, gosh, there's no way I, I don't even like halfway. I, you know, if I try to go, Oh yeah, we totally make this. I'd be like, wait a second. The only reason I know about that is because God created my brain to do that. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so just, just even that is fearful. And then I will add this one thing's a little bit outside the box, but um, I, I believe it was at a, Moses, when he lied, did he lie about his, his wife being a sister? Is that Moses? Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And, um, you know, whenever he was confronted about that, he said something like, I didn't think that the fear of the Lord was here. There's this kind of this idea that, um, you know, if we just think about it from a social media standpoint, people put all their stuff out there these days, um, all their personal things on social media it, to people that one, maybe don't care or two, don't, don't share the same, you know, they're just not, they're not in the same spot. So they're throwing their, their pearls at people that are going to trample them. And so that, I think that was what, what was going on there is he was fearful and that was, it was, it was bad. Shouldn't have done that, but he was fearful of the, of the rulers because he didn't think that the fear of God was there and that something would, would befall them as a result of that. Caleb, do we answer no, your questions? Yeah, that's helpful. Um, I did. I mean, when I was doing some research, the, there was a couple of things that I heard that I thought were helpful too, was just that, you know, when it comes to accountability, like we can, we can have a great Bible study. We can have great conversations like this. We can have, you know, filters on our computer and things set up in such a way that we won't fall into sin. Right. But until we actually have a healthy fear of the Lord, then nothing's going to change. Yeah. I think, I think you probably summed it up there just by saying healthy fear of the Lord, because if you're so scared of God that you can't move, First of all, that's probably correct. <laughs> but at the same time, like if you can't operate as a human, like that's probably not something that's going to be healthy for the people around you. It's going to stop you from sharing the gospel or anything like that. It's going to make people kind of you know freaked out by you. And so I think that that's a helpful thing to think about. There's certainly more that we could camp on on that first section, but there's some other great stuff in Proverbs 1. Caleb, will you go ahead and read just 8 and 9 real quick? I just had a quick point on 8 and 9. You bet. Uh, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not ignore your mother's teaching. Their graceful wreath around your head and necklaces for your neck. So when I was reading the Moody commentary on this, I thought that they made a great point that I'd never heard before. But Solomon intended to transmit his wisdom to the youth of Israel by putting his proverbs in the mouths of godly parents. And then one word came to mind, and that was catechism. Because if you're a godly parent and you're wanting to bestow godly wisdom on your child, you help catechize them. And I know I've used that word a lot. And some people are like, I'll get emails like, Hey, what's that word? What does that mean? And I'm like, here, let me Google for you. And then tell you, because apparently like I'm the one that has to do that. But like, ultimately it's like we catechize by accident, right? Mm-hmm. So Matt, your eldest son will not be able to be a fan of any other soccer team than Manchester United because it's just, you know, and my boys will not support another baseball team other than the St. Louis Cardinals. We, we do that just by accident. 
because Dada doesn't have a bunch of different teams hats. He has 30 of the same hat of the same team. And so we just kind of catechize him into that. The Cardinals are the best. You know, the Red Devils are the best. The whoever's are the best. But when you're catechizing them in the ways of the Lord, you're, you're helping them to understand deep theological context that is appropriate for their age. And so I thought that was so interesting to where it's just like, okay, yeah, wisdom literature, we get it. It's like, no, no, what was Solomon's point for even putting these things down? Because they were probably already age-old wisdom during his day 3,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago, wherever you you get these coming together. But that's how you pass down wisdom is by putting these proverbs, these wisdoms in a nutshell, in the minds and in the mouths of godly parents. These are, these are set up in a way that you can remember them. They're set up in kind of a, a cadence to where you can recite them. And same as like what you would get uh, with a catechism, we use the New City Catechism. It's, it's great, but it's, it's really set up to, like you can recite these pretty easily and you can, you can hear one, but the idea is put it in your heart, memorize it, and look to Jesus's example. I mean, when he goes out into the desert, he's reciting. I mean, he uses Deuteronomy more than anything, but he's reciting scripture because he knows it. And when you're faced with a situation and your kids are faced with a situation, you can fall back on that. And so the idea that it's easy to read and easy to remember is important. And, you know, you look thousands of years ago, ancient people, they probably didn't have a bunch of books. Well, they didn't have a bunch of books laying around. So they had to memorize this stuff. They had to they had to have this at the ready. When something happened, they could recite that, and then boom, then they're then they're then they're in a better place. Yeah. Now I would I'd add to that too. One of the things that um, has allowed me to have really good, important conversations with my kids has been taking some of the wisdom and sharing it alongside of some of my personal experiences. Now some of them are embarrassing. And some of them, um, you know, I, I, I had, I had the wisdom to not get into some problem where I had to, you know, confess sin or whatever. But the nice thing is, is that when we, we can learn this, we can memorize things and we can tell our kids about it, but it's also such a, a wonderful thing for a kid to be like, yeah, my dad had a similar situation and this is how he dealt with it using the word of God. Or my dad had this situation. He fell, um, into sin over it, but he was redeemed out of it. And this is now what he's teaching me so that I don't fall into the same trap. You could follow that path upward too. Cause the Bible, I mean, the Bible's full of mistakers, right? To use a, a weird word, but like people who do bad things and God still puts them in his story. If he loves David so much that he is going to have the Messiah's, the Messiah come through his line. And he, I mean, he does some pretty awful things. Like, how much does he love us as well to say, okay, yes, even though you did that, I'm, there, there's still grace, there's still love, like, come to me, rest in me. And, like, it's a great example for us, it's a great example for our kids, but, yeah, I, I think adding our own personal struggles and stumbles is paramount, especially for our kids. Like, Trafford went through a phase where he thought I could do no wrong. And I had the same thing with my dad. And I'll never forget the first time I, I, my dad messed up and I was, I was shattered. Not, not because he wanted to set up that he was perfect, but I thought he was this perfect person who never did anything wrong. And that, you know, I think I've said this on the part, or we've talked about this on the podcast before, never meet your heroes because they'll disappoint you. And me and, me and my wife have been very intentional about, okay, 
we want our kids to see us even when we do wrong things. We want to be open about that because there's only one, one perfect person and we are all redeemed by the same God, even though we, we do messed up stuff. There, there's a word that comes to mind based on what the things y'all are saying, and that's replace. So if you go back to the book Manhood by Josh Hawley, he was on the show a couple months back, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri. In his section where he talks about being a father, he talks about a good father replaces himself. In our current culture, when do we replace something? We replace something because the something we have now is broken, or the something we could get as a replacement is significantly better. And so if you are a father and you are replacing yourself, you are hopefully replacing yourself with an upgrade. So I want my sons to be a significantly better version of a man than me. And I'm trying to set the bar as high as humanly possible, right? Or high as spiritually possible. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I just love uh, John Tyson's uh, description of how he gets that done. I, I love this little, little step-by-step. He says, uh, when we, we approach something new, we'll do... You watch and I do, and then we'll talk. And then it's, um, I'll do, you help, and then we'll talk. Then it's, you do, I'll help, we talk. And then eventually it's, you just do, and then we'll talk about it. But the next time it's all on you. I love that, how that tra- it's transferred on step by step, very intentional. Um, and I think that's very practical. And I, there's so much more and like, I'm looking at the clock and it's like, this, here's Proverbs for you because it's like, we're, <laughs> we're not even close to halfway uh, to, to where I wanted to get to, but that, that there's a whole lot of great stuff there. But I wanted to, to camp out on, well, just real quick, 15 and 16. Um, uh, Brownie, would you read 15 and 16 just real quick? Sure. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. So this is kind of like me lecturing people about smoking, but this section to me is like, if you run with idiots that love to get in fights and kind of have this bloodlust for drama and that type of thing. And for the ladies listening, these women that are just, they suck the life out of you with the drama that they create around them. Avoid those people like the plague. Like I literally talk my, my voice coach, right. He's helping me rebuild my voice. Uh, he's a huge human being. And he's like, yeah, I've only been in a couple of fights. And it was because of my idiot friends. Right. Because his idiot friends are like, hey, we got our our big friend with us. So let's start mouthing off at the bar. Why? Because we got our big friend with us. It's like those are guys that get you shanked. Right. It's always, like, it's always the smallest guys, too. <laughs> God, yeah, they're just the ones like, yeah, yeah. Look at me now. And then they're always hiding behind the big guy's shoulder or under his armpit or something like that. So that's just kind of basic wisdom. At this point, if you're still running with morons that get in fights, stop running with those morons. But um, Browning, if you wouldn't mind, read 20, 21 and 22. There's there's some really good stuff here. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? So there's a lot here. So first of all, um, correct me if I'm wrong, because in my research, there was no tremendous significance to the, to the personification of the female pronouns here, the use of she. Um, it's like, it's like giving a name to your boat, yeah, right? It's like the personification of wisdom, like right. kind of a thing. And so if anyone has a problem with that, send me an email and I won't read it. But like verse, the, the thing that's so funny is the beginning of verse 22, how long, oh, simple ones, will you love being simple? And I immediately wrote in my margins, my translation is, uh, how long, how much longer are you going to love being dumb? And that's, that's kind of the thing. But this, just since I've been studying this, guys, 
It has helped me to put people into categories, which I know is dangerous, but guys, follow me as you're listening to this, because it provides three categories that people can fall into. The simple, the scoffers, and the fools. Yeah. And so these are loose definitions here, and y'all feel free to add to it. But the simple, those are people that are naive. They're very, very ignorant. They don't know any better would probably be how, how we would describe the simple people. Then you have the scoffers. They love to mock. They love to criticize. Uh, you know, they'll commit serious acts like and they're just, they're very arrogant about their critiques, right? Then you have the fools. The fools do know better. They know better, but they're smug. They're thick-headed. They're opposed to God's covenant and they become unteachable. Of all these categories, whenever you talk about uh, it's just pearls before swine, you get there with fools the quickest. Because I've, I've said this a lot, and then I'd love to hear you guys jump in. There's one question you can ask somebody at the beginning of a debate or the beginning of an argument that will save you a lot of time and energy. And it's, hey, if you were wrong about this, would you want to know? Would you want me yeah. to let you know that you were wrong? That's very because true. if someone were like, well, yeah, like if I was presenting myself in a factually inaccurate way, I would love to know that. That's a great person to have a conversation with. But if they're like, well, I'm not wrong, so what a stupid thing to even suggest, like, who are you? Change the subject immediately or just walk away. But again, when you're looking at people in your life that you struggle with, maybe even people you share a house with, there are three categories of people. Like, they're simple, scoffers, and fools. And, and then there's, those are the negative categories, I guess I should say. There are positive categories, but those difficult people in your life you can more easily deal with them when you appropriately label them. So I, I tried to express that as diplomatically as possible, but there you go. I think what gives you those categories too is <clears throat> what I love about this section we just read was that wisdom is not, it's not hidden. You know, it's not a secret. Like it's, it's right there in front of you. Right. You know? um, I mean, my, my brother-in-law talks about how he's, he's like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a, it's obvious theorist. And it's, <laughs> it's real similar, right? I mean, yeah, there like you go. It's right in front of you, you know, just, just humble yourself and, and seek the knowledge. Like one, like your point, like be open to being wrong every now and then. Um, so, I mean, I love that about this, these three verses yeah, right here. Wisdom has nothing to hide because it's true right? and it, it, it's available to anyone and everyone. Whereas deceit and, and darkness, like it wants to operate in secret. And wisdom is not something that you ever have to be ashamed of. And to your point about the, you know, the fool or the, what is it, simple scoffers and the, I wrote down, um, simple scoffers and fools. Um, it's a path of downward progression. Um, and I mean, I know we're going to get there as we get to the end, but the, the fools who are just so sure. And again, there's, there's another. Is there's there another, anything more annoying than a dumb person that is super sure of themselves? Like, let's just, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, for yeah, sure. Yeah, they're right? so sure. But they're so dumb. It's yeah. like, help me. Yeah, it, it's, so it's, I, think it's, yeah. I think that's a very, it's a very hard thing to deal with because I think our flesh wants to just be angry and annoyed. But I mean, we should, we should pray for them. We should pray that, that God would not harden their heart as he, would, as he would do to Pharaoh, but that they would be opened up, not by anything that we would do. Because like, I think sometimes we make it our mission to make people understand and come to our side of the table, whether it's some, like an unbeliever. Like in, in, my, in my commentary, it talks about the fool um, as being an unbeliever who has completely um, denounced 
God and biblical wisdom, and we should pray for those people because because God God can do things. He can impart their, His wisdom we, to them. But we but we shouldn't hold ourselves accountable to people who don't want to hear wisdom and truth. Yeah, and I I actually think that it's almost more frustrating to the for the simpleton to deal with simpletons. What I what I look at uh, or how I would define those folks are, are the people that will go and they'll receive things, but they're not willing to put any effort in. So it's like, I'll go to church and I'll listen to my pastor preach, but then I'm not going to go home. I'm not going to check, check, you know, on what he said to see if it was true or not. I'm just going to accept it. But also I, I may not even consider how that could be remotely applicable to my life. I'm just going to say I did it. I went to church and um, you asked me two days later what, what he talked about. I'm probably not going to remember. Well, and also, and I wrote this in my notes, a simple person is easily misled because it's easy to sit in our chair and to watch a documentary about a cult that came together in the 60s and watch what these people are doing and being like, how? How, how did you think that this guy that you handed your wives over to on a nightly basis, like this, this, is, this, this is the second coming? Like, this is the guy, but I wrote this down. I heard this and I haven't been able to substantiate it. So I'll just be vague, but it was the statistic that a, a sizable percentage of the population of the world has no internal dialogue, meaning they're not sitting there at night before they fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at your face, Matt. Yes. So I need to substantiate this and maybe I can do it during the break. I can help you with that. Okay. Thank you. But they, they have no internal dialogue. They're not running through the scenarios of that day. So, for instance, let's make it simple. So, when I get home from jujitsu, right, whether I do well or do poorly or somewhere in the middle, before I fall asleep, I am rerunning all of the positions I was in, the things I should have done, the things I did that were good so I can reinforce that. And then I think about, oh, man, I can't believe I misspoke when I was on the podcast or crap, I thought I was going to read two chapters a day and I read half of one. It's just internal dialogue. Yeah. And that's why it's hard to shut off. There are people walking around that have none of that. No, it's just that not. Is, I, that's hard for me. You to sound skeptical. Yeah, skeptical. Hard for me to fathom. No, that. Lev no Browning, listen, hop in listen. Here. It's not hard. It's not hard. It's because our society has made it so difficult for us to slow down. We have no solitude. You know what do we do? Well, I mean, like what's yeah, what's the sense. average yeah. length of a conversation? It takes uh, I think somewhere between seven or eight minutes to go from surface level to even medium level. But most conversations stop before it gets to the seven. Minute, you know, and and it's one of a number of things. There's like a a two or three second lull, and then what do you do? You pick up your phone and you start looking at your phone. You have no I, chance. What do you I, do? What do you do the last ten or fifteen minutes before you go to bed? Now, I'm not saying it's you, but many people <laughs> are are watching. They're vegging out, watching TV, or they're playing their Candy Crush or whatever, and then all of a sudden they just they're they're dozing, and so they lay down. Man, they, that's that's interesting. I guess it makes sense when I when I go to bed, a lot of times I'll listen to a sermon by Alistair Begg or Sinclair Ferguson because they're Scottish and I'm listening to <laughs> them preach the word of God. It's, you it's, it's, very, it's very good, but I guess that makes sense. Like when you're, when you're tra- like, when you're doing classes for social media, like, or you're, you know, people are teaching how to run a successful social media. They, they teach you, um, seven seconds to 21 seconds. If you go any longer than 21 seconds on a video, they're gone. You're, you're losing people. And so like, I guess to your point, that makes sense that like, you, well, know, I you think, don't have very long. And I think you've softened my point a little bit. Cause my point is that even when they're not distracted, they could be sitting in a meadow. You just think they're with, idiots. <laughs> but what I'm saying There's is like nothing there. Well, it's like when you've heard the expression, the lights are on, but no one's home. It's kind of like that. They could be sitting in the middle of a meadow on a tree stump with no iPod 
iPod. What year did I just go back to on this podcast? <laughs> but they have no iPhone. They've got no, you know, Bluetooth speaker, nothing. And they're just sitting there just thinking about nothing. They're yeah. just, they're looking at, oh, there's a bird. Oh, there's the sky's blue. I think like, so it's just, we can't always assume people are chewing on things yeah. as they're deeply not. as we that's might a, yeah, be. I mean, point. when you first said it, that was my thought was like, there's just, there's no room anymore for, cause it's all external dialogue, right? Yeah. They're being like, yeah. they're consuming something all the time. Constantly um, bombarded. Yeah. But anyway, so I, I think that's helpful when you, again, you can categorize people in your life. It's like, okay, this person is simple, but Matt, I think you made the most mature point at the table, which is basically <laughs> like, that doesn't mean you should write that person off. They're missing something that you likely can't put there for them. But if there's a corrective action that you can take, softly asking them, hey, if you were, if you were wrong about, oh, you know, before the, the baby's born, it's not even alive. Okay, um, hey, if you were wrong about that thing that you just said, if that were not factual, would you want to know? Well, no, I obviously know I'm right. Like, it's, it's just a blob. It's just a meh. Well, that's a person that's probably not, like, their sponge is completely saturated at that point. They can't take in anything else. But if they show even a modicum of openness to being wrong, not only does that go back to humility, but it's just a, it's a good indication that there's probably some fruit there that yeah, you can I, help with. Well, I think like, like extra biblical sources like are, are very good in, in this way. Greg Kogel's tactics is, it comes to mind, like yeah. ask the question, put the, put the rock, put in, the the rock shoe. in the shoe, like in going to uh first Corinthians, like love is not proud. Love, love does not boast. So like, we're not, we're not to beat people over the head with love or truth, but we can ask questions and love them that way. So like to your point, like let's love in the way we should. And maybe it, maybe it is a question, um, but sometimes it's just a, okay. Yeah. I can't have an argument with I you. I got to move on this with my is, day before yeah. this goes crazy. Um, I want to move on to verse 26 and 27 and Browning. I want you to read, I know you just read some, but when in our group text before this one, you literally sent these two <laughs> verses to me and you're like, I bet this is going to be Kyle's favorite part of Proverbs one. And the funny thing about it is I, as you can see, I didn't write any notes. There was no highlights on that section. And so I read it, I remembered it, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, we definitely got to talk about that. But apparently <laughs> Eric Browning thinks that that's going to be where I would kind of go to. So you get to read 26 and 27, <laughs> and then I will get to defend myself. Uh, um, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. So. This is, again, the personification of wisdom speaking here. And I will say, after you sent that message to me, I went back and reread it. Oh, and I giggled. And I was just kind of like, because there is a healthy part of me that when somebody reaps exactly what they sow, I'm just like, you know, F around and find out. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, and there's a Bill Burr joke in there somewhere where he's talking about someone that gets bit by a rattlesnake. And it's like, wait, can we not ask questions? It's like, were you messing with it? Like, what were you, like, we just assume this, you know, this rattlesnake fell out of the sky and attacked this person. Like, no, there's more to this story than that. And so anyway, that was kind of like my defense. Like I definitely read it, but then I went back and it's like, that is interesting that the female personification of wisdom as written by the most wisdom filled person ever. It's like almost like, well, let me ask you, does this give us permission? to even like internally snicker when somebody gets exactly the fruits of what their pre-actions would have, you know, led to. What do you think? I, I think that's a, 
it's that's a dangerous place to be. I think we can revel in God's glory and God saying, "Vengeance is mine," and in a in a real sense, the wrath of God is continuously poured out. And you know, we talked about Romans one, and this this is this is what I wrote in mine is this is this is very much uh, a Romans one situation. Um, but yeah, I think that's a dangerous place to be. I don't think we should. I don't think we should be cheerful because of that person. I think we should celebrate that God's truth is God's truth, no matter what. Uh, but again, that's a, that's a that's a tricky that's a tricky place to be. Like you shouldn't go. Yeah, I'm so. Cel- but not 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 against you. Just I'm celebrating God. And it's like yeah, you probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> well, I mean, I've had I I it, it, you can tell me if I was wrong, but I had a friend that was just hell bent on doing and just sinning, you know, and he, he was a roommate of mine and uh, I had to deal with it. And, but I, but I had compassion for him. Like I really wanted him to figure it out. But I remember like struggling with my prayers for him because I would pray for him. But it was like, gosh, you know, Lord, get his attention, do whatever is necessary. It felt like he needed to be smacked in the face by God. And I, I don't know that the end result, I wasn't looking to go, Oh, so I can laugh at him and be like, told you so, you know, whatever. But it, it, it was, he needed some kind of, you know, slap in the face, you know, yeah, to I get, think, to get his attention. I think it's just like being a parent, right? Like you, you tell your kids something and they, they don't listen, they don't listen. And then something happens and you're not, you're not celebrating that something bad happened to your kid. But most of the time, at least in, in my fatherhood journey, when something happens to Trafford, cause he's, he's eight, Holland's three. So it's not like, you know, he's had more experience to do this stuff. You, like you can see that look on their face where they're like, oh, that's why dad or mom right, said, yeah, don't right. do this. And I did. And now I've, I'm right. having this external punishment. And here I am. And I'm sure so, you've laughed. Right. Yeah. So Caleb, <clears throat> earlier in this conversation, you talked about, you know, the most wisdom filled people being the most humble. One of the most humble men that I know, Dr. Dwight Adams, he's about to be inducted in the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. He is the scientist that first, um, yeah, testified in court using DNA evidence. Like he and his team at the FBI figured that process out. So he's from Edmond, a good, good buddy of mine. Well, his wife was talking about, she was talking to, to my wife about just wisdom, being married so long. Like what are some things to remember? And her answer was, sometimes you just got to laugh. And so it's like, when you have a kid that you've told, hey, don't touch that, that's hot. Hey, don't touch that, it's super hot. Hey, if you touch that, it's gonna burn you. Hey, remember that thing over there? It's super hot. And then they go over there and touch it like a moron. Like you could chastise them and you could freak out and you can do all that. Or you can just laugh and be like, hey man, natural consequences. Yeah, that you're never gonna do that again. Yeah. Right. If only you knew, if only when someone had told you. Right. Yeah, <laughs> if, if only, yeah you just go, wonder, go completely into sarcastic mode. something to you there. So Matt, if you wouldn't mind a reading as we kind of get towards the end here, uh, 28 through 33, because this goes back into the discussion you were talking about earlier about Romans one. There's a lot here and it kind of puts, you know, verses 26 and 27 in a little bit of a different light. So just read 28 through the end there. Yeah, this is good. Then they call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord would have none of my counsel and despised all of my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. 
So I'm reminded of a quote by C.S. Lewis where he was basically describing what hell is. And people would say, you know, kind of a natural uh, objection. Excuse me. People would say, why would a good God send, you know, someone to hell? And C.S. Lewis would be like, well, he didn't do that. He gave these people exactly what they wanted. They wanted a life completely devoid of God. And he said, thy will be done. Right? And so it's like, that's the wages of sin. Right? When you get into verses 28 through 33, those are the wages. And it's helped me think about that more easily in an apologetics context. How could a good God possibly do that? Before I even get to the, well, what does good mean? What's the difference between good and evil? What's the moral law with which to differentiate between the two? Before you even get there, it's like God is allowing you to have what you want. Matt, you mentioned the hardening of Pharaoh's heart earlier. Forever, I thought God hardened his heart, where he's like, God made Pharaoh act that way. That's, it was the wrong you know, way of understanding that. God took how Pharaoh was already acting and solidified it and said, you got it, buddy. This is how you want to act, and this is how you want to put yourself in reference to me. Great. I'm going to go ahead and set that in concrete. Yeah. No, I think I, and we could probably spend like hours talking about this, but this is, this is why I love going to the Sunday school class that I go to because I have, I have you know, teachers who or a teacher that just, it, it goes so much into detail. Shout out Terry Fakes. Terry Fakes, he's amazing. But but even the guys he's put into place to, to come sub for him, and there's some amazing people that, that teach some teach the word to our class. Uh, we were learning about, you know, we're learning about the plagues, and the hardening of Pharaoh's heart is is something, and we shouldn't miss the details that God puts into his story. Uh, when the Pharaohs die, the, the custom was that at their final judgment, would before they got to go on to their final glory was their heart would be removed and it would be weighed. If it's light, you get to go through. If it's not, if it, if it weighs down the scale, they're, they're obliterated, they're done. And so the hardening of the heart was to say, your heart is hard, it is hard as stone, it will weigh down the scales even in what you think you have to do it, it like the tension to detail that God puts in. And I, I can't explain that the way that Terry fakes would explain that, but it, it's a really, really cool way to think like God even uses like what they were to know, what they would know is what their Pharaoh would go through is, is his heart light or is it, does it weigh down the scales? And so he was weighing his own heart down to where in his, in his religion, when he got to that final judgment, his heart would be like a rock and it would be wet and he would, he would, he would be the, he would receive the consequence for what he actually wanted. That's a very interesting place to be. But I wanted to make another point. This, this reminds me of Psalm two. It ends the same way Psalm two ends. Now, therefore, O Kings be wise, be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. And then it ends with blessed are all who take refuge in him. And that, that just very, very similar. Very similar. I think this also, I mean, these last eight verses just breaks your heart in my opinion on, on, I mean, I feel like it's just a microcosm of the distortion of the truth that we see right now, you know, just with the, I mean, the way that everything is just being, it's all, it's all relative, you know, it's just distorted. Um, and it, it breaks your heart to see that this is how it's going to end. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and if you go back to like 23, I know we skipped over it, but it says, if you will turn to at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. So there was still hope. You know, this is even after Lady Wisdom's like, come on, guys, you listening or not? You know, um, but you're right. And so I was just thinking, too, it's like everybody has a bottom. Like, <clears throat> what is your, some people go rock bottom and some people have shallow bottoms. And so I think, you know, praying for my kids. I know that they're going to go through trials. I know they're going to mess up. I want their bottom to be shallow though. I want them to go, if they're going to go do something, do something and be like, well, I'm never doing that again. And, and then get straight with the Lord on that and, and, and never, you know, continue down that path, you know, but there are these people that hit rock bottom. Um, and, and unfortunately rock bottom is not the deepest, you know, bottom you can have the hell hell is. And so you hear a lot of people that um, have hit rock bottom and then they kind of drug themselves out or been lifted out by the Lord. I mean, there's a lot of testimony from, from that. And I, I know Matt Chandler, I was listening to something from him recently. He's like, I, he's like, I, I praise the Lord that none of my kids have these crazy testimonies. Like, why should they have to have these crazy testimonies of them hitting some rock bottom? You know, they don't, you don't need to have that in order to, to have a testimony. So. I think that's a great point because a lot of people will diminish their their own story because they grew up in a Christian family and the worst thing they ever did was steal a piece of bubble gum and that type of thing. You can still understand the depravity of your life, but and you haven't had to like trip and fall and land on some random stranger's penis like to be like, oh well, that's a different level of depravity. Sorry, is that a little? <laughs> is that too much? I did not expect that. <laughs> well, I was not expecting that at all. Hey guys, expect the unexpected. Some people on trip and fall. Life. Some people trip and fall in different ways. <laughs> Right. See, yeah, they're scraping your knees. And anyway, internal we can leave dialogue, that there. Uh, internal dialogue tonight. It's going to be, why did I Well, the good thing about the edit of this is it's in black and white, so you can't see that I'm blushing, but I can feel <laughs> that I'm blushing at this exact moment. Now, I'm Matt, blushing I, for you. Yeah. Well, Matt, I do have a question on this. Um, and, and if this is going to take too long to unpack, because we're, we're here right at the end, but I wrote a note on, on verse 31. Therefore, they say, eat the fruits of their way and have their fill of their own devices. How does this how does this correlate with election, right? And I, because election is like, okay, who's going to be chosen to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life? He chose them before time. Because in verse 31, the very first thing I wrote down was, this is not God's fault that you acted this way. But then I was like, where, where does election come in? And guys, if you're, if you're slow in the uptick here, um, <clears throat> Matt is kind of the, he's the resident Calvinist at the table today. And so as I'm trying to like work through that philosophy or that theology, I'm like, okay, how does this relate to our decision to go left or go right, or our decision to act in a way that we know is wrong or to avoid acting in that way. If that's too big to unpack. No, no I, 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 I mean, I probably, we probably could talk about this forever. So the, I think it's important to establish some, some definitions. So election isn't just God saying, Caleb, you're in no matter what you do. Congrats. It's, it's, a, it's a call to our heart. It is a, re, a revealing, it is an opening of our eyes. It is a direct uh, confrontation of the truth. God is the one that, that turns our heart. He's the one that pulls on us. He draws us to him. It is still our responsibility to act in accordance. And again, I will say this till the day I die and I, I, go home to see the Lord. Like this is one of those twin truths, pillars of twin truths that God elects, but we are responsible for our own actions. And so God reveals himself or reveals the truth to us. We are, we are to, we are still to answer that call. And we, we can not, I mean, Romans one is a 
great example of God giving, giving us up to our own passions. Pharaoh is a perfect example. He had the truth revealed to him. He had his firstborn son taken from him, yet he still hardened his heart and, and did not turn to the Lord. So God said, okay, I'm going to give you up to destruction. It goes back to, okay, it's, you know, all right, your will be done. That's God telling us your will be done. So there's certainly more that we could talk about there. But guys, how much did we skip over in Proverbs <laughs> 1? And we still filled up an hour, but we, we got to move on. But guys, come back here next Sunday where we are going to dig into Proverbs 23. So make sure that you are ready to go to talk about Proverbs 23. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. If you're wondering how we can even pull off something like the forging table. It's because we have donors. We have guys just like you that love to support content that is going to be good for you and the whole family. So guys hop on board and become a monthly donor. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song, Perpetua, which is off their self-titled debut album on Face Down Records. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.